You're listening to Your Financial Compass with Scott Vallon. These shows are designed to provide information to both pre- and post-retirees so you can make well-informed decisions about your financial future. Our financial compass process goes beyond traditional holistic planning. We care as much about you and your lifestyle as we do about your plan. At the Bullman Wealth Group, we want to help you define what matters most and inspire you to go and do it. Your host is Bullman Wealth Group financial advisor, Scott Vallon, who for more than a decade has made a difference in his clients' lives by providing financial leadership. Hello, this is Scott Vallon with the Your Financial Compass podcast. I'm a financial advisor with the Bullman Wealth Group in Roseville, California. And this is a special day because we have a guest. You don't just have to hear me talk all podcast. And uh, before I bring our guest along, uh, as I say every time, if this is something that you consistently listen to and and gather value from, I'd request that you give us a uh, review or rating or what have you. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, all sorts of places that have podcasts, um, and leave a review. And if you hear anything that is of interest or you have more questions about, you can always reach our firm at ask at bullmanwealth.com. That's A-S-K at B-U-L-M-A-N wealth.com. So with that said, today we have a, a interesting topic because last year, as we all know, 2022 is a very turbulent year in the stock market. Some folks think this year will be the same. But in that turbulence, uh, a group kind of came out that, that we started working with that really brought something that we found unique to the table. Um, and that's who I'm going to talk to today, who is Bennett Fairer, who's an external sales consultant with Innovator Funds. And before I bring him along, I must say this, Innovator and Bowman Wealth Group are separate entities and are not affiliated. So with that said, Bennett, um, welcome to the show. Uh, I guess I'll ask you this. Tell me where you guys are located, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here. And uh, we're uh, just outside of Chicago, located in, in Wheaton, Illinois. And uh, we've been around since about 2017 and uh, brought these funds that Bowman Wealth has been utilizing for the past year or so in 2018. So the funds that Bennett is talking about is something... I call them buffer funds. He'll have probably that name or a more technical name, which I'll let him say. Um, But we've been utilizing them since all the turbulence we started to see last year. So as opposed to just kind of the the street name of buffer fund, what is the actual name of the fund? And tell me just kind of the 101 aspects of of how they work. Yes, that's a good question. And I would say what we call them in terms of the overarching umbrella of the strategy is defined outcome ETFs. And the beauty of a defined outcome is you can tell to a client or to you know, someone else who's investing in this fund, if the S&P or the index does X, then our fund will do Y. It has some defined parameters to it. So Scott mentioned the buffer funds earlier. That's kind of the primary set of our defined outcome ETFs. And in its barest form, what the buffer ETF provides is a downside buffer on an index like the S&P 500, and then an upside cap for that 12-month time frame. So that's in its barest form kind of what they provide to provide people with a little bit more certainty to their portfolios in, a, in an uncertain time. Sure. 
So with that said, let's flesh that out a bit. So generally each month a new series of buffers comes out for that month, and they work in a one-year cycle. Not all of them, but the ones that we'll just walk through here. So let's say we're recording this in January. The January buffers just came out. So from January 1 to January 1, let's take the one that has a 15% floor and a 18% cap, somewhere in that range. Tell me what that means between now in January 1 of 24. Yeah, let's walk through a few different, I guess, hypothetical outcomes and what you can expect from this fund is uh, with the 15% buffer in place for the calendar year, you're going to have, you know, the first 15% of losses buffered in that if the market's down 10% over this year and you have a 15% buffer in place, then this ticker will finish the 12-month outcome period flat. And if the market's down 20%, Say the market's down, you know, over that 12-month time frame, down 20%, you have that 15% buffer in place, then you're going to be down five. And let's just say the market goes up this year. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't have a, a crystal ball, but say the market goes up 10%. Well, the cap for the January one was 18%. So you're actually going to meet the market on the upside, meet the S&P, and be up 10% on the year. Now, where these products, you know, may miss out is if we do see the market really shoot the moon this year and it does 30%, 35%. Well, that's where these products get capped out. So there is a trade-off with these. There's no free lunch. You know, it's not too good to be true in that sense. There is a cap with these products. So it's something to be wary of. Okay. And and that's I'm glad you said that because we always try to tell folks that as we talk to them, every, there's a million different strategies and things to consider in the in the financial planning realm. Everything has a good and bad. Sometimes it depends on the situation, the timing, who it is, what it is, um, what have you. So I'm glad you brought that up. So like you mentioned a few minutes ago, you guys came out 2017. How have you guys, from your angle, I know you haven't been with them that long because you could probably be my son, which makes me feel old. And sorry, you don't throw water at me. I had to say it. Um, anyhow, how is like, let's even look at last year from the start of 2022 till now. I would imagine the company has grown with everything that we saw in the market. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's a good question. And typically when things are bad is when people start to look at these buffered ETFs again and revisit the strategy. So I will say this. I did start in 2020 at Innovator um, in March of 2020, which, as you know, was a crazy time for the world. And again, uh, yeah, the phones were ringing and a lot of people were, were given these a second glance, uh, and they really have shown throughout 2020, throughout this past year in 2022, that they do exactly as they're designed to and providing a known level of downside risk management. And in those up years in between, in 2021, and even in 2020 when we saw it rebound, uh, you know, you see these meet it on the upside as well and meet those ex expectations in positive markets too. So that's kind of, you know, the past couple of years how they've been, I will say, uh, in down markets, it does cause people to rethink their risk management strategies. Uh, and this is something that, you know, provides a known level of downside risk management. Sure. And, you know, the example we gave a few minutes ago was using the January figures of, at least for one of the funds, a 15% buffer, an 18% cap. The cap changes, though. You know, you this cap for this January would have been different. The cap January 2021 was much different. So tell me what kind of dict generally the buffer number on the downside stays the same, but the cap changes. So tell me a little bit more why that is and how that is. Yeah, that's a good question. And the, to, to 
to your point, the buffer will stay the same year over year over year. These are 12-month products, and if you select a certain ticker, when that resets 12 months from now, you have the same buffer for that next year. And like you mentioned, Scott, the cap does fluctuate year over year. Um, it's a set cap for that 12-month time frame, but when it resets, the cap changes based on the cost of that protection when it resets at the end of that 12-month time frame. So that's something to note, in a, in a, not to get too in the weeds with that, but one thing that dictates the cap level would be the volatility in the market. So as we saw with 2022, the markets were uh, you know, inc- incredibly volatile compared to what we've seen where the market just kept going upwards in years past, and the caps were a lot higher. And optically, it's great to have a high cap and have a known built-in buffer, especially in a, in a volatile and uncertain time. Sure. Okay. Now, one thing we keep referencing, we don't want to get too jargon-heavy, and I appreciate you not doing that. Um, there's a thing We've talked about ETFs, exchange-traded funds. It's something that we've discussed on, on previous podcasts. And in, these innovator funds are in the form of, of an ETF or exchange-traded fund. So, and you and I were talking about this several times, but... How, if someone has a non-IRA or non-qualified account, they just have a regular investment account, how could something like this, say they have, say they bought the January fund last year, it just reset, how is that tax favorable for them in an account? Because that, that has been a concern for folks like, well, gosh, if I'm up, I might get all these tax ramifications, but it is actual actually favorable to them being in this chassis, so to speak. Right. That's definitely the, a main benefit of the uh, exchange-traded fund structure is the, the tax efficiency aspect, where a lot of times our products are compared to annuities or structured products out there, if you're familiar, that have a term or a liquidation date and, and things along those lines that then trigger a taxable consequence. But with these products, you could hold on to these in perpetuity. They reset right in your, your brokerage account, with a new cap and new buffer, and it's not a taxable event at the end of that 12 months. So you could hold on to these for four, five, six years and not pay taxes until you decide to sell that product. Mm, okay. Now, this is something we've kind of chuckled about off camera. Well, I guess off microphone, we don't have cameras. Um, it seems like these are still, you know, Innovator's been around from 2017 or since 2017, so not a long time. But it still seems that these have flown under the radar, at least from my perspective, which I'm not arguing with because, you know, we use them, we love them. But with that said, why do you think there's still some, just a lot of unknowns, like a lot of folks still don't know that these exist or how they work? Yeah, it's still a newer um, concept in the ETF space. It's growing quite a bit over these past few years, but I would say it's something that's been slower to adopt uh, at, at some other um, firms and places just due to the, the due diligence backup of everyone launching a lot of ETFs right now. And then also um, just the fact that we're not approved at, at a lot of other, um, I guess, advisory firms. So it's that, that's a main hiccup for us, I guess, in the, the process of distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've been working primarily with the RIA space and with a lot of independent broker dealers out there and, uh, you know, grown quite a bit since bringing these out in 2018. Um, currently sitting at about 11 and a half billion in assets, which has been pretty substantial growth yeah. for, for not being available you know, everywhere and only having, uh, you know, four years of being around thus far. Sure. So just over 11 billion. What was that number in Jan a year ago? Do you remember what it was? In it January was actually, 22? we had just crossed 6 billion. Wow. So we, we had, uh, you know, 2022 was a good year for us in terms of uh, visibility and, 
and we actually just passed uh, ARC in, in assets as well. Oh, really? It's in Let's Kathy Wood. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's been uh, pretty cool for us uh, as we climb up the charts in terms of uh, ETF assets. So. Okay. so I guess finally, as we move forward, a lot of folks are expecting continued turbulence. You know, are we going to have a recession? What does that mean for the market? How, from your vantage point or from the company as a whole, how do you think your guys' funds and these buffer funds or defined outcome funds, how do you think they might change in the next year and a half or so? In terms of their usage by advisors or just in terms of... However you want to (laughs) interpret that question. Um, I would say in terms of their usage, we've seen more and more folks using these as part of their, their core equity sleeve. With the caps where they're at now significantly higher than what we've seen in years past, it's been a great way amidst an uncertain time, for the time being, at the very least, the next 12 months, to hedge risk but still remain invested. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of how we've seen folks using these as a little bit more of a, as opposed to just an alternative or a small portion of their portfolio, they're really trying to have a, a, a known level of shock absorber in yeah. place for their equity sleeve and even some of their bond sleeve as well. So that's kind of how we see it and how we foresee the next 12, 18 months, you know, looking like the, for these in, in terms of their usage. And I guess that's reflected in your guys' growth from, you know, 6 billion to over 11 is, whereas this might've been kind of a fringe player on the roster. If we want to use a sports phrase, now this is a starting in the starting lineup. Right. Right. It was more of a, maybe more of a satellite position for some conservative investors out there in the past, but this might be, you know, something worth revisiting for those who can't stomach another large sure. year, large market downturn like we saw last year, where the yeah. market's down another 20%, but they're looking to retire in the next few years and can't really stomach that. Sure. So. Well, Bennett, I appreciate you taking the time today uh, to join us. Folks, I know we we shared a lot of info. A lot of it might take a second listen to kind of catch some of it, and that's why I referenced this earlier. If anything that you heard uh, you want more explanation of, you can reach out to us, ask at bullmanwealth.com, ASK at bullmanwealth.com. But really, if we could boil it down to one phrase, the way these funds work is it's a way to reduce some of the risk we see in the market, but still be able to get some returns. Obviously, there's pros and cons, um, but as, as Bennett said, it's become a bigger part of portfolios, including ours here at Bowman Wealth. So again, I thank him for being here. His colleague Bjorn has been sitting quietly off, uh, off microphone and quietly judging us to the side, but thank you to him as well. But folks, thank you for listening and um, please leave a rating. And now we have to get our legal outro. We'll see you next time. This show's content is for information purposes only. It is not intended to provide any tax or legal advice or provide the basis for any financial decisions, nor is it intended to be a projection of current or future performance or an indication of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Opinions expressed are solely those of Bullman Wealth Group and our editorial staff. The information contained in this material has been derived from sources believed to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed accuracy and completeness and does not purport to be a complete analysis of the materials discussed. Any statements of opinions expressed should in no way be construed or interpreted as a solicitation to sell or offer to sell advisory services to any residents of any state other than the states where otherwise legally permitted. Advisory services are offered through Chris Bowman, Inc., DBA, Bowman Wealth Group, and Brookstone Wealth Advisors, registered investment advisors. Insurance products are offered and sold through Chris Bowman, Inc., DBA, BWG Insurance Agency.